Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Today, we're continuing our series, Walking Alongside One Another In, with a conversation about keeping the end game in mind as we go about the hard work of ministry by fixing our eyes on eternity. Today's guest is Vanessa K. Hawkins, who has her MDiv from Covenant Theological Seminary and serves as the Director of Women's Ministry at First Presbyterian Church in Augusta, Georgia. Now, on to my conversation with Vanessa Hawkins on fixing our gaze on eternity. Vanessa, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Hunter, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here today. So excited. We have many shared friends. Courtney yeah. Doctor, who's been on the show. Karen Hodge, she is like a spiritual mother to me. I am so excited just to get to sit and chat with you. I was telling you that it's great to have somebody who is a few steps ahead. So you are heavily involved in women's ministry. You also have a very potent women's ministry in your own home with your three <laughs> girls. <laughs> yeah, let's not overlook the first ministry. Yeah, three daughters, 2018 and 15, a ministry all unto itself, my friend. <laughs> it sounds like a very vibrant training ground for what the Lord has set before you. No doubt. They are a joy to have. That's awesome. And you are currently serving as the Director of Women's Ministry at First Presbyterian in Augusta, Georgia, correct? That is correct. Coming up on my three years here next month, which is just, it has flown by. Tell us a little bit about what your days look like. A lot of teaching, shepherding, I, I would describe it, and just um, getting to serve women in just various ways. And so it's a, it's a joy. I love that. We're discussing walking alongside one another in. So, of course, we want to get an understanding of like what the topic is that we're addressing for ourselves, but then also what it looks like to come alongside other women. So I'd love to hear from you. Why is it important that we keep our eyes fixed on eternity as we are walking through the various seasons and challenges that we face in this life? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Uh, I think just as people we have a need to find meaning in what we go through, whether it's joyous or hard. And the joys and hardships are not an end unto themselves. When we look to them as though we are, we can get to, into some really faulty thinking and draw faulty conclusions. And so just looking solely at our joys might lead us to conclude that we have somehow earned favor because of our own goodness. 
but looking solely at the sorrows might lead us to falsely conclude that our unpleasant circumstances result from the Lord's displeasure or that he doesn't care. But placing our joys and sorrows within the framework of eternity helps us to take ourselves out of the center and places the purposes and desires of God, a good and sovereign king, there in the center instead. I think when we do that, we can then trust that our joys and sorrows are allowed by this gracious king and that they extend beyond the limited purposes of today and well into eternity. And that's encouraging to me because I know I can really easily center on me and forget that this has eternal purpose. It's just helpful to remember that. I'm so often pulled one way or the other. Like if the joy is engulfing me, then I'm like all about it. And if the sorrow is, I don't know, coming up around me that I'm like, oh, I'm in despair. And I love that mental picture of like kind of like stepping out of the center, lifting up our hands and acknowledging that he is God and that we can bring those things before him and worship the joys and the sorrows. Yes. I feel like I've experienced more sorrow this year than I normally do. Yeah. Why is it that the Lord allows us to walk through suffering and grief? I think a lot of what women are wrestling with is thinking, well, if God really loves me, then like, why would he allow this to be so hard? I think it was Spurgeon who said that God is too good to be unkind and and too wise to be mistaken. And in his sovereign goodness, he has chosen suffering as a path to glory. Mm. Paul spoke of what he calls light afflictions, which seems crazy for me to think about, considering that he he was shipwrecked, he was nearly beaten to death, bit by poison snake and imprisoned. But his afflictions were horrible suffering, is what I would call horrible suffering, that could only be considered light in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that was working in him. And so I guess I just wonder, man, how great must that glory be? How great must that glory be if that type of suffering could be said to be light? And so I I, I look towards that glory. I'm encouraged to consider that. When you're navigating like a pain or a hardship in your own life, how does living with eternity in view change the way that you are navigating the circumstance that's right in front of you in that moment? Yeah, I mean, you've named just even in our world right now, there's just so many things to sorrow about. Part of that is just kind of the paradox of the Christian life, right? There's always something to be, something that's praiseworthy, but there's always something to lament. And I think part of me personally navigating some of the things that have been sorrowful is in this season, I've done a lot of learning how to lament, more so than I have any other season, I think, honestly. And I think it has moved me. It has challenged me to move from where I would just despair, just check out of the situation, or on the other end of that, where I would just be perpetually angry. Living in light of eternity moves me towards hope. And that's what lament has done. It has been that vehicle by which I've moved towards hope. Mm. And without that, I I would have easily, easily despaired or I would have easily become perpetually angry, but allowing myself to sit in that space and to feel that and to express it to the Lord so that I don't pass that pain on to others, but to fix my gaze back on him in a very uh, intentional way. Mm, Yes. Actually, when you were saying that, I'm even just thinking about standing at the foot of the cross. It's like, this is lament. This is true sorrow, like seeing our Savior die. But what hope it offers, 
I think that is something that I'm learning too. I think a lot of my life I spent trying to move beyond lamenting. Like, let's just put a smile on your face. Right. Sometimes it felt like a waste of time, but I agree with you. This is something that the Lord is teaching me too, that the Lord wants to meet us in our lament. There's something that happens in the process of lament. Yeah, we would rather not do it because it's uncomfortable. It hurts. No one wants to sit in their sorrow. And we'd like to just move back to the happy, happy, joy, joy. But what I found is when I do the honest and hard work of lament, well, one, it it does keep me from passing pain on to others because it helps me to express my pain before the Lord and to receive his comfort. But it also, it does something to that whole praise as well. There's an authentic praise that comes from a depth of suffering that is unlike any other praise. And so I get past it and, you know, have a contrived praise. But I think the praise that we see in the psalmist comes from this depth of suffering that he accesses and puts before the Lord. And so when he gets to a place of praise, that praise is real. It is authentic. It is deep because the Lord has met him in the depths. And so the praise is that much greater. Mm. I'm even thinking like of African-American spirituals. You know, you think about the depths from which they were crying. um, And so many of those songs, like you're like, how could you say that in the midst of experiencing something so horrific? And yet there's so much hope and a testament to who God is, even in the midst of that pain. Absolutely. There is a theology of suffering that runs through the Black church as I have experienced it that definitely points to a praise. It doesn't forget the suffering. It doesn't just try to, um, as one of my um, dear professors, uh, Jerem Bars would have said, it doesn't seek to heal our wounds lightly, but it accesses that pain and allows that pain to push us to greater praise. Man, I want to do that in my own life. Do you think that our own willingness to engage with the hard things in in our lives personally, does that impact the way we walk alongside others? Uh, absolutely. I think that, I think we've got Bible on that. Second Corinthians 1, right? The God of all comfort, that he gives us comfort so that we can comfort other people with the comfort we've received. I know just personally, the comfort that I've received, for instance, in the one of the hardest things for me was the, the loss of my dad. My dad died to lung cancer. And I can tell you qualitatively, I'm a much better friend to walk beside people now <laughs> than I would have been before that just because I've been in the depths and I've received the Lord's comfort in my own brokenness and in my own pain. And so now I'm able to extend that with a whole lot more grace and compassion than before. And not that I didn't care before, but the caring is so much deeper because uh, I think empathy requires us to, to access something with inside us and to have compassion for the one that um, is suffering. So absolutely. How does living in light of eternity, how does keeping that in mind change the way that we come alongside others, maybe sisters in our churches or friends who are navigating various joys and sorrows in their life? Yeah, I think it definitely, again, changes how we walk beside other people, because I think we help each other remember. And there's more than what we're currently experiencing. It helps us to point them beyond the current experience. There's more. Even if it's joy, there's more. This is just a taste. There's more joy. If there's sorrow, man, this sorrow is working something in you. There's more. 
I have a, a sweet friend who always talks about rehearsing the mighty acts of God. Hmm. And she helps preach the gospel to my soul by saying, okay, let's rehearse the mighty acts of God. And as we rehearse what he has done in our lives to each other, man, we build up this community and we remind each other to keep looking forward. I think that's just so key in living in light of eternity and how we walk with each other. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. Like, we know this to be true, Vanessa. Like, we believe it. We're staking our life on it. And yet, we are so prone to forgetfulness. Even in remembering that Christ is our hope, we are prone to forgetting that this is not the end. Like you said, this is not our home. Why are we so prone to forgetfulness? Well, I think part of it is we've just been conditioned to believe that what is visible is more real than what is unseen. And that's just not biblical. I mean, we're told we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary. What's unseen Mm -hmm. is eternal. So what's not seen is the greater thing that we should focus on. But I also think that we're forgetful. And I think that's just a part of our fallen condition. We are prone to forget, which is why scripture has to exhort us so many times repeatedly. Remember, Remember the Lord your God. Remember lest you forget. Remember, remember, remember. And I think the result is when we don't remember, we say, uh, as Deuteronomy passage says, remember lest you forget and say that I've done these things. We become self-focused again. And so it's just our sinful nature to forget and to lose focus. And the Lord knows that, which is why he exhorts us to remember. What do you do when you see that you are forgetting. Walk me through the process for what that looks like for you personally when you're like, I have stepped into the center, if you will. What does it look like for you to acknowledge your forgetfulness and to remember once again and not forget? That's a great question. Practically, it's going back and that's kind of my book of remembrance. Hmm. There are prayers in there that, you know, when I, at the time I pray them, I thought, man, how in the world will this come to pass? How in the world will the Lord get me out of this one this time? And I also see evidence of times when I have forgotten and how that went. (laughs) So for me, just having a personal record that I'm able to go back, that helps me refocus. That's my practical way of refocusing. Of course, the word, being exhorted by the word to remember, that helps too. Never being far from the word and staying tied to it 
But yeah, my but my own personal account as well, just going back and remembering what it has looked like, how I have failed miserably when I've not remembered him, when I've tried to do things in my own strength. And yeah, those are I've got some really good reminders in there of, uh, <laughs> of how to not forget and what happens when I forget. I had a mentor and she used to always pray over me that I would remember the altars of God's faithfulness in my own life. Mm-hmm. And not only that, that I would also remember uh, the altars of God's faithfulness to his people throughout all of redemptive history. Mm-hmm. And so I think about it like that, too. I kind of go back and I'm like, no, 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 heart. Remember when remember this. Remember when he met you here. Remember when he met you here. Remember when he did this. Mm-hmm. And then like you open up your Bible and you just see boom, 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 boom all over the text. It's like and he's not just been faithful to you, but look at how he's been faithful to all of his people. And that is so anchoring when you are just feeling like your gaze is shifting here and there to the right and to the left. If you were to rehearse the mighty acts of God, what stories would you tell? How would you testify to His grace? How would you share about God's faithfulness to His people throughout all of redemptive history? If you haven't thought about that in a while, I want to encourage you to pause the podcast and begin listing instances in which you have experienced his protection over the years. How many stories do you have to tell? What would it look like to regularly recount God's faithfulness to you as you go about your day? For me, it looks like sharing stories about how God sustained our family in times of trouble. It looks like immersing myself in the story of scripture through daily reading of God's word. It looks like gathering with other believers and singing songs that testify to God's goodness and His character. It looks like sitting under the Word preached and seeing His faithfulness play out in the lives of men and women in my own local context. What does it look like for you, friend? How can you begin to rehearse the mighty acts of God today? Let's remember together and not forget. What might we see in ourselves if we've lost sight of eternity? <laughs> oh, Hunter, all kinds of unseemly things. I think it's the tendency to lose joy in my work. That's one of the ways I first see it. Huh. Yeah, when I find myself losing focus of the why I do what I do, I'm prone to feel overwhelmed or I become task-oriented. That's always a telltale sign for me, too. I, I love people, and I and I am pretty orderly in how I proceed in things, but I become overly task-oriented or I become performance-oriented. And so when I'm not living in light of eternity, I tend to those things. But there's a freedom and a joy that I lose when I forget the eternal purpose of my work, that really Christ, who is building his church, and is sometimes pleased to use my hands to do it. And when I put that in the wrong order, I lose that joy. I'm not building anything of any value without him. And so there's great joy for me to, for me only when my work is a worship to him and living in light of those eternal purposes. We could talk about that all day long in that vein. If you could encapsulate, like, this is my purpose in the work that the Lord has set before me. Like, what is it when you feel like you have lost sight of eternity? Like, how do you kind of reorient yourself to why you're doing what you do specifically in relation to ministry? Yeah, that's a necessary pause. And that necessary pause, depending on how long I've been going, sometimes I've been going pretty long and hard. And it means that it it takes a longer pause. 
But sometimes it's a brief pause and I refocus on scripture is to go breathe some fresh air. Nature really helps me to refocus. And just kind of as, as my friend would say, rehearsing the mighty acts of God and whether that's in scripture, whether that's in remembering why I'm called to do what I'm doing, remembering the one who called me and that he's faithful. I think that's something that a lot of us are wrestling with, the concept of calling and just an understanding of like what it is to walk forward and what the Lord has set before us. How do you know what God's calling you to? Well, one, for me, I know the gifts that he's put in me. The gifts speak to purpose and they speak to calling. But also I know the space he's called me to operate that space is here. And, and sometimes, Hunter, when we've got a lot more time, I'll have to tell you the story about how I ended up at First Presbyterian Church, Augusta. But the Lord made clear, he made it evident in no uncertain terms that um, this is where hmm. our family was to be and where we were to serve just by how he providentially showed us this space and called us here. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a clarity of that that has come from just well, one prayer really leaning into him and asking him to make that known. And he is just faithful to do that. Mm-hmm. He is faithful to do that, to give clarity to that. But also, as you mentioned uh, earlier, there are mentors that can often see those gifts and callings and who can affirm those things in you. And then the body affirms the gifts. The body affirms the gifts. And so those are some ways. But you're right, calling, that can be tough. Lord, how, how do I know that I'm doing what it is that you've called me to do. And there are just some things as far as my gifts go that I know that I was made to do. I know that those are the things that he has given me to do because those are the things that I'm most helpful doing in the body. I think in relation to this topic of walking alongside one another in, when things get really hard, when we're walking alongside each other, I often question, is this what you're asking me to do? Yeah. When it's hard is when the when I often feel that rub. It's like, is this really what you called me to, Lord? I don't think I'm cut out for this. Maybe it feels like it's too much. Maybe it is too much. What encouragement would you offer to our sisters who find themselves in that situation? And I guess I'm going to flip that and say, if it's not too much, it's probably not a calling. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, seriously. The Lord hasn't once called me to something that I could do on my own. Not even once. <laughs> not, not even once in my 47 years has he called me to do anything that I'm able to do on my own. <laughs> I can remember first coming to First Pres. The very kind people were, they were feeling overwhelmed on my behalf, quite honestly. And they would say to me, I, I'm, I know you must be overwhelmed. I know you must be overwhelmed. And In those moments, I was thinking, wow, they are so kind and they are so compassionate. But no, I'm really not. And here's why. I had resolved when I got there. I was so certain of my calling to that space and to those people. I felt nothing like overwhelmed because I came knowing I couldn't do it. I came knowing that there was nothing that I was going to accomplish in that space that I could do in my strength. So no, I wasn't overwhelmed. I came knowing that I could absolutely not do that work if the Lord didn't do it through me. And so if your call is something that you can handle, man, that's probably not a call. 
I got tears running down my face. Thank you for that. That is a hope-filled reminder for all of us. Did you hear what Vanessa said? Not once in 47 years has God called her to do something that she could do on her own. I don't know about you, but that really encourages me because I feel my insufficiency every day. Scratch that, more like every hour. But God uses our inadequacy to remind us of our need of Him. And friends, He has given us everything we need in Christ Jesus. As we go about the work He set before us today, let's rest in His grace. Let's humbly seek the wisdom of His Word. Let's trust Him, knowing that He is with us. And let's look to Him, utterly dependent on His Spirit who equips and sustains us. How does this reality, the reality that we can do nothing apart from God's grace, impact the way we walk alongside others? It encourages us to draw near to His throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. It allows us to say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And it enables us to rest, trusting that He will accomplish all of His purpose, no matter what. In relation to walking alongside one another in these hard spaces, I think it's one of the things that we can carry with us into eternity, you know, just knowing like, we are doing the work that the Lord has set before us. We know what he's called us to. He's called us to be agents of reconciliation and to point people to his son, Jesus. What are some other things that we will take with us into eternity? Yeah, when I think about what I'm taking into eternity, what most comes to mind is that I am taking a hope that will be fully recognized and fully realized when I see Jesus face to face. That's what I'm taking into eternity. I love John uh, when he says, we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know this, that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. I live for that day. That's the hope. That's what I'm taking into eternity. It's that hope that's going to be realized when I see Jesus. Mm, knowing God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. What's the joy in doing that? I know you and I are both like obviously really passionate about the church and about all of us together coming to greater depths of understanding who God is and what he's done for us. What is the joy in knowing that we are going to walk alongside one another forever and ever? It's almost inexpressible. How, how, how dare you ask me something that's inexpressible? <laughs> wow. To, for me to even consider that, that scene where every tribe, every tongue, every nation, oh my goodness. It's almost more than I can comprehend. I get lost in thinking about what does it look like to be radically free from sin? Yes. How does that look, Hunter? I mean, how does that look? I've never been without it. I don't know. How does it look to be radically free from sin and to be among every tribe, tongue, and nation? Oh, yeah. I, I, I know what it does do is it creates a longing for me that usually ends in a, in a come Lord Jesus. Oh, yes, 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 yes. What is a, like maybe one practical takeaway? I'm thinking about a listener 
who's thinking, I really want to fix my eyes on eternity and I really want to yearn for it, but I don't really understand it and I'm struggling to do that. I think it's often the case is, man, some of those longings are produced. Well, one, I mean, they're produced, as you said, in joys and sorrows, certainly in sorrows. They, you know, our heart longs for something more. I think it's sometimes in those sorrows that we recognize that this can't be all that there is, right? Uh, and so we all have those things. But man, I think the beauty of community. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, you know, every tribe, tongue, and nation, but doing the, the messy work of community can also create some of that longing. Practically being a part of community and doing that work can uh, also kind of shape our heart and set our hearts and our affections towards eternity. That's exactly right. And that's exactly been my experience. So that's why, I mean, I feel like you encapsulated this entire series so well with what you just said. That's why it's important to come alongside uh, one another and to point one another to the hope that we have in the life that is to come. So thank you so much for doing that. That's definitely one of my simple joys, talking about the joys of eternity. I'm looking for something a lot more simple from you, though, today, Vanessa. What are your three simple joys? Oh, girl, a cup of hot tea. What kind of tea do you like? Oh, man, just a good loose leaf tea. And it just, it varies. It depends on where I am. Sometimes it's a good English breakfast, if you know, if I'm feeling that. Sometimes it's something really uh, girly and herbal and pretty in a cup if I'm needing a treat. But I like ginger and lemon and, you know, usually a bit of honey. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a tea kind of girl. Love it. I uh, love a good cup of tea and a good book. Usually that's a memoir or a biography if I'm just reading for fun. What's one of your favorites? Oh, it's a tough question. I know. <laughs> me and mom and me, Maya Angelou. Okay. I haven't read that. I'm so excited. Thank you. That was a good one. And I mean, it, it has nothing to do with anything except it's just her life. So that's interesting. Awesome. Third simple joy? Man, nature. Taking a walk with family, sitting under the stars. Love the mountains. I need a, I need a fix of the mountains and the ocean every year. Come on. You, you're welcome in New Hampshire anytime. We got them both. That's convenient. And you'll definitely need a cup of warm tea if you come at a certain time of year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get a little frigid. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't in Georgia anymore. We were stationed in Georgia. At the beginning of our marriage, we were close to Fort Benning, Georgia. So you guys are hot down there. I've lived in the same for 25 years. I've only been here almost three years. And so, yeah, no snow's falling in Georgia. Yeah, but uh, it was six months of snow. Uh, yeah, that, that, might, that might be a bit much, Hunter. I don't know. Well, talking to you has certainly been a simple joy for me. And also this conversation, truly, I will remember what you shared, particularly in relation to what it looks like for us to walk in humility in the calling that we have received. Mm. Thank you so much. You've had an impact on my journey with the Lord. I would love to hear from you as this is the Journey Women podcast. The heart behind it is kind of mentoring and and acknowledging that we have much to learn from women who have gone before us. Who is it that's had an impact on your journey with Jesus, Vanessa? Wow, you know, that, that's a really good question. And I think my favorite journey woman of all time is my grandmother, Roxy Adams. My love for the Lord, my love for his word comes from her. Hmm. So my parents lived next door 
to her and my grandfather growing up. And so as a little kid, I would walk over and she kept me till I was five and ready for school. But what I saw her model for me every day, she was very arthritic. I don't remember a day when she wasn't struggling to walk and she would kneel first thing in the morning, slide off the side of the bed and kneel to pray. And that's what I witnessed every day. And she would pull herself up. I would always wonder if she was going to get back up, but she would pull herself to a standing position. She'd make her way to down the hall, holding on. She'd go get cleaned up. And as soon as she came out, she had this old, worn white Bible. Well, it used to be white at some point, but it was this old, worn Bible. And she would open that. She'd plop me down next to her and she'd hand me my book of Bible stories. Mm. So every morning, first five years of my life, that's what we did. And uh, and we did that until about nine o'clock when The Price is Right came on. And then it was kind of to, <laughs> because that's important. <laughs> Simple Joyce. Well, I wish we could get Miss Roxy on the podcast. That would have been the best. But you, uh, a derivative of her, have been such a delight. Thank you so much for joining me on the Journey Women podcast today, Vanessa. Thanks for having me, friend. It's been great hanging out with you. We pray this episode encourages you to fix your gaze, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen and eternal. If you enjoyed listening today, would you do us a favor? Would you leave a rating or review on iTunes? Doing so really does help get the podcast into the hands of other women on their journeys to glorify God. Thanks for joining us today and be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on new episodes. If you want to catch us throughout the week, you can find us on socials at Journeywoman Podcast. Today's episode was mixed and produced by Chad Michael Snavely and the team at Sound On, Sound Off. We are so grateful for them and for you. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.